0: good to see everyone uh, this morning. If you're visiting with us, we're really glad you're here to join us uh, in worship of our Lord and our Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. And that's why we come. We don't want to forget that. We uh, want to begin this morning by um, just acknowledging the fact that tomorrow is Memorial Day. And there's a distinction between it and Veterans Day. And as we think about Memorial Day, we think about those um, men and women who've given uh, their lives for the ultimate cause of our freedom here in the United States. Uh, I don't know, unless you've been to a country that doesn't have freedom, that you can really appreciate uh, as much as we should the freedom that we enjoy. But being able to come here this morning and just be able to sit in a building and be able to freely worship the Lord Jesus without fear of someone coming in here and taking us away. I mean, it's just, we're so, so blessed to live in this country. And I recognize, as you do, um, this country has changed. And uh, it's sad to see what's going on in terms of our world and uh, the godlessness that is going on. Uh, I I witnessed or watched a video the other day of a couple of people that were... um, just mocking the cross, literally these two gentlemen were getting on top of a cross and just kind of mocking um, the crucifixion of Christ, and you know, when you come to live in those kind of days, you know that at least the thought is, Lord, surely your coming can't be too far away, Uh, which only means this for us, yes, we look forward to his coming, and we should, but it's, man, Lord, we have a job. And you've given us a job to do, just like the apostles were given a job to do in witnessing and testifying about the Lord Jesus Christ. So I hope that uh, you appreciate those that uh, have given their lives for the freedom that we have uh, here in the United States. Um, This morning, um, we want to recognize our college graduates. Last week, uh, Christopher, is that your full name, Christopher? Yeah. Christopher, or you guys might know him as Chris. We'll we'll come back to that later, but um, Christopher recognized um, the high school graduates. And um, this morning, I've been charged with the responsibility of announcing our college graduates. uh, Brian and Holly Nichols and myself uh, work with the college and career, and um, it's a privilege to do that. It's such a fluid ministry They're here, they're gone, they're here, they're gone. You never know. Um, But we really, really appreciate uh, these young people. And um, we've got three that we want to recognize this morning. And we're going to begin with Pamela Stovall. So Pamela, would you come up here, please? We'd love for you to do that. All right, so... I just wanna make sure that you guys can see this. It should be advancing to the next slide. Okay, uh, Pamela graduated from the University of South Alabama. We don't wanna confuse that with the other school, okay? <laughs> um, we're glad that she graduated from the University of South Alabama. She graduated with a Bachelor of Science in Biology with a concentration in Marine Biology. and that, That's pretty cool. Doesn't that just sound cool? I mean, like, if you're to graduation, well, you graduated with a Bachelor of Science in Biology with a concentration in marine biology. I mean, that is just so awesome to hear. So I'm just into that, Pamela. Um, her future plan, she has gained employment with the Mississippi Aquarium in Gulfport. Like, does that mean you get to swim around with those little creatures and all? Not exactly, no. No. Because if you did, I might come for a visit. Like, you know? As long as we're not, you know, swimming with things that could hurt me. I wouldn't be into that. But um, she's going to be there in Gulfport, Mississippi as a customer relations educator and will be moving to the Gulfport area in July. And so we're very, very proud, aren't we, of Pamela Sovall. And, um, you know, when, when a student goes off to college, There are just so many people that are in that support area, right? And I wanted to recognize a few uh, this morning. Uh, I believe Pamela's mother and father. Where's Donnie? He's in North Carolina playing disc golf. (laughs) I'm not quite sure how to respond to that. (laughs) We'll pray for Donnie. But if you'll stand, all right? He he is. And then I believe we have your grandparents here today, all the grandparents, all the grandparents. so we're, we're certainly proud that uh, they're able to be here today. And so if y'all could stand, because y'all had certainly influence and impact in Pamela's life, we'll recognize you today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, stand. keep standing. I want to recognize some others. Um, I know this might be a little unusual, but... I wanted to recognize those folks who uh, had the opportunity within Grace to be involved in the life of Pamela. And that would be a Sunday school teacher, a WANA leader, uh, whatever that case may be. So if you've had influence and had the opportunity and privilege to to educate and walk alongside Pamela Stovall, would you stand this morning if you've done that? All right? Look at that. All right? We really appreciate these. Look at all these people. Did did they all give you a gift? I mean, the ones that are standing. (laughs) Christopher's one of them, so, you know, you make sure you get it from him. We've got something for you here today. Congratulations, okay? We love you, family. Thank you. All right. All right. Well, our second graduate, college graduate, is Savannah Laughlin. All right, Savannah Laughlin. And Savannah Laughlin is not here today. She's at the beach. Um, So, Savannah, if you're watching, congratulations. And uh, we've never had a college graduate uh, and an excommunication all in one day. But we, uh, and it's not you, Savannah, it's your father, okay? But we certainly, uh, certainly really, really uh, congratulate uh, Savannah Laughlin. I think it has it on the overhead there for you. She graduated from the University of Alabama at Birmingham. Again, notice the distinction. it's not in Tuscaloosa. <clears throat> um, she graduated with a Bachelor of Science in Healthcare Management. That sounds important, doesn't it? Her future plans are to uh, attend graduate school at UAB to obtain a doctorate in occupational therapy. We're going to have to call her Dr. Lawson. I, I wonder if she's getting this degree, Christopher, for you. Like, I'm thinking about the occupational therapy in the future. That might be (laughs) something that you'll need. Not that we're picking on Christopher this morning, but we're certainly uh, thankful for Savannah. And so I'm going to ask, even though she's not here, if um, her family would stand, all right? So y'all remain standing, right? This is uh, Christopher and Amanda and Hope, okay? And we're certainly uh, thankful for them. And their influence in Savannah's life. It takes parents and even a sister to support uh, these young people as they uh, work their way through college and beyond. Um, <clears throat> again, <clears throat> excuse me, if you've had an opportunity to be involved with Savannah in, in, in teaching her or being involved with her in youth group, uh, you've been able to do life with her and, and influence her in any capacity. I would ask that you would stand at this time too, so that we could recognize you this morning. Look at that. All right. Hey, now Hope, could you come up front, please, just for a second? This is this is um, Hope Laughlin, and um, even though your uh, sister is not here today, and she hadn't heard the last of that yet, but even though your sister's not here today, this is a gift for her. And if you want to open it up and just take the gift, you're free to do that. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) And then our last graduate is a little bit older than the other two that we've just recognized. Our last graduate, in fact, he's closer to my age than I think he is their age. Uh, Kevin Landers graduated from Liberty University. How many of you knew that? No one knew that. Where are you? There you are, Kevin. Come, come up here, Kevin. <clears throat> Did you know I was going to recognize you today? I had an idea. You had an idea. Well, her name's Sydney, just in case you needed to know. Um, <clears throat> but Kevin graduated from Liberty University the degree of bachelor of science and business administration sales management and on my card it has marketing and professional selling as well all right so he he's just uh when did you start back kevin to, to school to liberty uh, 2019 Two thousand nineteen. well listen it, it, it's uh, quite a feat to go back to school at your young age and um and be able to graduate so we really, really appreciate uh, Kevin and his efforts there. And we want the family. If you're a member of the family, uh, to stand. Where's the family? Look at there. Look at that. Look at that family back there. It's a good-looking family. Sydney, where are you? You got to stand, Sydney. <clears throat> Sydney's back there. I think Sydney's working on the cameras uh, for us. Today. Are you focusing in on Kevin? Okay, good. And um, so we are so so thankful, and I know you are for your family and the support that, um, that, that you've been given by them. And so we just want to recognize you this morning, Kevin, and say congratulations to you, all right? Thank you. Uh-huh. All right, well, isn't that nice to do that, to recognize these folks and to be able to just, um, you know, publicly just celebrate with them what the Lord is accomplishing in their lives. And, and I, I wanted to uh, just have a word of prayer. And ask the Lord to to guide them in their steps as they continue uh, to pursue the things that that he has for them. So let's bow and pray together. Our Father, this morning, we just want to thank you so much for uh, Pamela and for Savannah, for Kevin. We just pray, Father, that you would continue to guide their steps. Uh, I pray that they are seeking after your... Uh, will and desire uh, for them in their lives and I pray that they would walk with you daily and I just want to thank you publicly for um, just all the support that they had within the family and then obviously others who have influenced them on their path and I just pray that your protection for each and every one of them for for Pamela and for Savannah and for Kevin father that you would protect them and uh, we'll just um, give them guidance as they continue uh, to live for you uh, in their lives, and so thank you for this great opportunity we've been able to have this morning, and we just ask that this service would honor the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's in his name we pray, amen.
1: Morning church, it's great to see everybody this morning, well the world may uh, not honor the cross, Christ, but it's not what we're about. We want to honor him and lift him high this morning. We're going to be singing about his grace and his love. So y'all stand. Let's worship the Lord together. Y'all sing with me. Your
2: love, oh Lord
1: Reaches to
2: the heaven Your faithful. Stretches to the sky. Your righteousness is like, like the mighty, mighty mountain. mountain. Your justice flows like the ocean's tide. I will lift my I will find my eyes In the shadow of your wings Your love, O oh Lord Reaches to the heaven Your faithfulness Stretches to the sky Your righteousness is like the mighty mountain. Your justice flows like the ocean's tide. Has the sound. Let's see. Say shall soon dissolve like snow, the sun forbear to shine, but God who called me below will be forever.
1: just take a second, if you would, and then just quietness to your own hearts. Maybe close your eyes and just ponder this question for just a second before we sing this next song. Just think about where you would be if it wasn't for the love of God. Just ponder that question for a second while the pads are playing, while we just kind of sit quietly. Take a second and try to answer that. Listen to these words of a single.
2: How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure that He should give His only Son to be. The rich his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss! The Father turns His face away, has wounds which mar the chosen one. sons to glory.
1: You guys sing with us.
2: Behold the man upon a cross, my sin upon his shoulders. I hear my mocking
0: you guys. <clears throat> I was so uh, <clears throat> in worship there I didn't even know it was my turn. <laughs> so it's, it's a good thing I think. Well it's more I wanted to start by saying that my computer died on Friday. It crashed and so I only have my little stick and wasn't quite able to finish what I wanted to but it's worked out fine. I need to back up the Slides, though that's not the slides that I want right at this point. Uh, if you remember last uh, Sunday, um, Christopher, which I found out is your full name. I I wanted to make sure before I presented this slide show I have for everybody today, but I wanted to make sure of that because you know I'm I like to be accurate, and, and so Christopher is that. Um, do you guys have that? Why don't you have that? <laughs> have you been tampering with my van? Okay, two means peace or either two minutes. Um, last week, just in case you weren't here, just kind of bring everybody up to speed, Chris had, a, had the privilege of um, standing in front of the audience and and recognizing our high school graduates, and he picked on me just slightly, um, so much so that <clears throat> I called an elders' meeting. And actually, had one elder that wanted to meet. I um, <laughs> don't know if you were aware of that, but um, just kind of looking at that to see whether or not we were going to keep you around, just to be honest with you, Chris. We love you, but. We, we want to keep Amanda and the girls and Kyle, but we were discussing you, you know, that was initially what I thought would happen, um, but in the meantime, I'm not one of those guys that, I'm not a get-even kind of guy, I'm not that way, but I do like to respond, you know, I, I mean, I think it's important to respond, and um, so I just wanted to show you guys some pictures <clears throat> that uh, I received, and um, I won't tell you where I got them from, Chris, um, Really, not your business. I mean, it's not, nothing personal. But um, that's Chris, Christopher, 26 years ago, right? Chris, doesn't he look good? Christopher Laughlin. You remember that when he looked that good, uh, Amanda? And um, so he's got that white shirt with that white. Will you guys remember that? My wife actually made me wear white tux when I got married. Well, that's when I had a really good tan, so it didn't look too, too bad. Um, but anyway, Chris, just to kind of remind Christopher, kind of remind you of what you looked like uh, 26 years ago. And you'll notice the chin, right? You see the chin? One chin. And then uh, today, <laughs> that's, that's Christopher today, and, and he, he's had some addition, you know. Um, so I just wanted to, you know, honor you, Chris, like you it did me last week so graciously. And um, so that was 26 years ago. This is today. This is how he looks. And you guys, have you ever been on Facebook and you you're like you're able to kind of project out, you know, how you're going to look in five years, ten years, 15, 20 years, you know? Well, we did an unusual study with Chris. We did it for three years, and um, just so Amanda might have some awareness as to, to what Christopher will look like. I <laughs> know. Um, um, same name, same name. now. Wasn't that fun, Christopher? (laughs) Oh my goodness. Well, we needed that kind of laughter before we get to this passage. I can promise you that. Um, I want to read the passage that we're going to deal with this morning. 1 John chapter 5 is where your uh, fingers should be this morning. 1 John chapter 5 and we want to read verses 14 through 17 we're actually coming to the end of the book in fact next sunday lord willing will be our last message in first john and if i counted right it's 36 sermons in first john and we started that back january 2nd 2022 Now, if you're good with math, you understand there are many more Sundays between January 2nd, 2022, and now. Uh, There were a couple of mission conferences. I did a long series on uh, shepherding, and so there have been some interruptions uh, during the time period, but next week we will draw our conclusion to this very, very challenging book. Um, I don't know if, if you felt as challenged maybe as I have, but It's a very, very challenging book, and as we've said throughout, there's a couple of primary interpretations. One is relationship with the Lord, and the other is fellowship, and there are uh, men on both sides of the aisle that are credible uh, theologians, and so we want to make sure we say that up front. I've tried to say that over and over again. I land on the fellowship side, where I believe that's what John is addressing, is the fellowship of believers. And I would say, and I, I, I believe the Lord just lead me to say this, that um, you hear a lot about relationship. It's not so much that we hear about fellowship. So I think John's kind of really emphasizing that in the book. But whether you stand on the relationship side or fellowship side, you know what we can have? Fellowship. And so um, I want to encourage you that, that you would um, just ask the Lord to lead you in that as we read and study this. So we come to chapter 5 and verse 14 and we're on to a subject that's very, very personal to us and it's the subject of prayer. In fact, C.H. Spurgeon said, look up believer, you have one who hears you. I like the way he writes that. You have one who hears you. Your husband may not hear you. Wife, uh, your your, uh, children may not hear you but the Lord hears you. And one of the things that's such a blessing as we think about anticipating eternal life with Christ in His presence is we have an avenue to the Lord even right now. So if you're only thinking in terms of I'm going to see the Lord one day, well He's provided an avenue by which we can communicate with Him now and fellowship with Him and bring things to Him. And one of the most Probably um, underrated subjects in Christianity is the subject of prayer how important is prayer in the life of a believer and we'll just make it personal for all of us in our own lives as believers we need to have a discipline to prayer so let's read verses 14 through 17 then we'll have a word of prayer and if you want to skip out because you don't want to hear this hard stuff it'll be your chance to go Otherwise, you're in it for the long haul, all right? John writes, this is the confidence or boldness which we have before him, that if we ask anything, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. Did you notice the key phrase that I skipped over? Good, I'm glad you're paying attention according to his will. That's how we are to pray, he says back in verse 14. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not to death, he shall ask, and God will for him give life to those who commit sin not to death. There is a sin to death. Underscore that. There is a sin to death. I do not say that he should make request for this, all unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not to death. You clear on all that? Ready to go home? All right, let's have a word of prayer uh, together. So, Father, this morning we want to come to you and ask for your Spirit to help us as we consider what John the Apostle has written. Um, I hope it was clear to his audience I hope it's clear to us today, as we consider these very important subjects surrounding the primary subject of prayer, and all these things. I pray in the name of Christ. Amen. All right. So there are two basic thoughts in these verses. One has to do with our own lives and praying to the Lord, and the other has to do with a view to our brothers. Lives, And you're going to find that as we get to that verse 16, which probably you want to skip to right away, um, there are two different viewpoints on that verse. And what's interesting is it doesn't necessarily break down as it has been. You know, where there's been some disagreement with some really good theologians that we follow between relationship and fellowship, you're going to find that in this particular case, a lot of them line up on one particular side, And it's the side that I line up on. But it's not the side that every theologian lines up on. And that's important to hear. Okay, So we will get to verse 16. And verse 16 deals with our brothers' lives. And we'll talk about the implications of that in just a few moments. But we want to begin with our own lives. There needs to be the thought that prayer is about my life with the Lord. Notice what he says in verse 14. This is the confidence or the boldness. The word confidence there means to speak boldly with the Lord. What does the author of Hebrews tell us to do? That we are to come what? Before the throne of grace. Come with confidence, boldly approaching the throne of grace. And we need need to remember that it is a grace throne. That's very, very important. So John is saying this is the confidence which we have before him. So it's this picture of the believer confidently speaking with his God. That's the picture that John paints here. I think part of the confidence in context is because the believer knows they have eternal life and until they are in the presence of God, God has provided a way that we can come into his presence through the Lord Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? So one day we're going to be face-to-face with our Lord for an eternity, but until that point, we have an avenue to Him. And that's why John can write what he does in verse 14. This is the confidence which we have before Him. Remember, at least the we has to do with Himself and the other apostles, and I believe in the context of 1 John with believers. We have confidence before Him. Now notice what he says, That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. What's the caveat there? According to his will. You know, there are some that take verses 14 and 15 and make it like a wish list. Lord, I would like a million dollars. Lord, I would like that boat. Lord, I would like that huge house. And he's obligated... In some areas, in some churches, in their theology, he's obligated to answer that. And if he has not answered it, it's because you don't have enough faith. Can you believe that people actually teach that and believe that? But that is not what John is talking about. And the statement there, the phrase there, according to his will, is absolutely key. You say, what is according to his will? What in the world is the will of God? Well, we as believers have The revealed will of God right in front of us. True or false? True. So do we know his will for our lives as Christians? Answer? We do. You can be confident of that. And so what's he saying to these believers? If we ask anything according to his will. His revealed will. What he has said in his word. He hears us. Notice verse 15, and if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, this is an amazing statement, we know that we have the request. It's on the Lord, that's what John says. We know that we have the request which we have asked from him. So if you're sitting there today going, oh, okay, well, then I can just go before the Lord and um, I'm going to ask for this and I'm going to ask for that and I'm going to ask for this and that and think of it in terms of the material world, that's not what John's talking about. John is talking about the revealed will of God, prayed about those things in our lives. Like, for example, do we know that it is God's will that the husband be the head of the home? Do we know that? And so if a husband says, Lord, I need your help to be the head of the home. I want to be the head of my home. Well, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get the help you need. That's what's going to happen. Do we know what God's will is as it relates to fathers and bringing up their children and the discipline and instruction of the Lord? Do we know that? Yes, we do. And so what do we do? As fathers, we pray that the Lord would help us in that endeavor. And what will happen? The Lord will help us. Now, this is all within the framework of being in fellowship with the Lord. Okay, that's very, very important to hear. But we know God's revealed will. His revealed will is that I would love my wife like Christ loved the church. His revealed will is that wives would be submissive and respectful to their husbands. True or false? While it's not popular in the culture, it's absolutely true. You understand that? Because it's not popular in the culture. Do we know it's God's revealed will that we be his witnesses? Answer? Yes. Okay, so there are a lot of things that we understand and know... And this is what John is writing about. He says, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we've asked from him. You say, is this the only place that that appears? No, it's not. In fact, I want you to go on a journey with me back to the Gospel of John. And you're going to see that there are other times where the Lord, and this is the way I kind of phrase it, puts himself or his name on the line. Because in talking to his apostles in the upper room, listen to the way that he puts it to them in John chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. This is in the upper room, and the Lord is with the 11. Judas is gone. He says, Whatever you ask in my name, that phrase means consistent with who the Lord is. Oh, that's the caveat. Okay? So it's not, I don't want you to leave this morning thinking, well, if I just go and I ask him, then I'm going to get it. That's not the message of 1 John, nor the message of the Lord Jesus to his apostles. He says, but look, look at this though. He says, Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. In other words, I'll do what's consistent with me. That's what he's promising. So that the Father may be glorified. If you ask me anything in what? Here there it is again. There's that phrase. In my name. Consistent with who the Lord Jesus is. He says I will do it. Well then you go to chapter 15. And he's talking about the importance of abiding in the Lord. And the caveat in, in this particular text is abiding. Okay. Notice verse 7. If you abide in me. What does that mean? If one is abiding in the Lord, there is fellowship with the Lord. He's not talking here in context from my viewpoint about relationship. He's talking about fellowship. He's addressing those who already had relationship. What they needed was continued fellowship. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. Well, that's a pretty big if, isn't it? If you abide in me. If there's fellowship... And my words abide in you. you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Again, those things that are in line and in character with the Lord. All right. Then you come back to First John, in chapter three, and you have something similar. First John chapter three, verses twenty-one and twenty-two. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Same word confidence as is mentioned in chapter 5. So he says, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God and whatever we ask, we receive from Him. Where's the caveat? Here it is. Because we keep His commandments and do the things that are pleasing in His sight. Fellowship. We are in fellowship the Lord through our obedience and pleasing Him. Does that make sense to you guys? So, over and over again, you have um, requests being made to God, and, it, and, and the caveat in all of it is things according to His will. Praying about those things that are according to the revealed will of the Lord. I think oftentimes when prayer is approached, it's Lord, give me this, and Lord, give me that, and Lord, I deserve this, and Lord, I deserve that. That's not what John is speaking of here. In fact, you remember how the Lord taught his disciples to pray, right? You remember the phrasing there? He's there, he saying, look, pray, thy will be done, right? Thy will be done. Not my will be done, but thy will be done on earth as it, what, is in heaven. It's, our, it's being done in heaven, okay? Okay. So the issue for the believer on earth is praying according to his will. And that's why it's so important, I think, and it is my opinion, that we kind of adopt that phrase. That we adopt the phrase, according to your will, Lord. When we don't know, right? Outside of the reveal, well, Lord, I don't know what your will is in this situation. But however you want to work it out, you work it out, right? And those are, those are hard prayers. Those are difficult prayers, that we have uh, in our lives because listen we are met every single day almost every single week every single month every single year and young people you'll get this one day that every single day every single week every single month thing we're met with things that are uncomfortable in our lives and we don't always know what the will of God is in those things but here's the beautiful piece that the Lord is giving to his uh, believers here in first John Hey, look, you might not know all those things, but you know these things. You know what God says about this, 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 and this. Pray about those things. Isn't it nice to have one who's going to always listen to us as we are praying according to the will of God? Have you ever thought about that as it relates to the unbeliever? There are a lot of unbelievers that do a lot of praying. You know that? Uh, when there's a crisis in the United States, man, people are falling on their knees. I remember 9-11, it was like, Mo, hit the knees, God help us. Is God obligated to answer unbelievers? Is he? No. doesn't mean he doesn't hear them, but he's not obligated to answer them. But you listen next time there's a crisis, it's almost like there's obligation. God, you need to do this. Um, we really need to be careful as believers when we approach the throne of grace that we're praying according to the will of the Lord. So this first section has to do with our own lives. Um, The key phrase there being, according to His will. Now we come to the next verse, set of verses, 16 and 17. And in these verses, He talks about praying for our brothers. And I put a little quotes around brothers, because there's two viewpoints. I believe John's talking about brothers in Christ. But there are some that do not, and, and you know, that's fine. And so we're going to address the viewpoints of those uh, in verse 16. Notice, let's just reread this. He says, If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not to death, he shall ask God... Uh, excuse me, ask, and God will for him give life to those who commit sin not to death. There is a sin to death. I do not say that he should make request for this. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not to death. There are two different viewpoints on what John is doing here, and I want to be careful to give you both, okay? And I don't have my little, you know presentation for you so you're going to have to listen. So there is the first view um, these folks hold that John is describing a professing believer when he's talking about one who is uh, committing a sin. To us it appears that they know the Lord but when in reality they don't. Okay? This is what they say. They say that You're praying for one that you assume is a brother who professes to be a brother, but in reality is not a brother. Now you say, how am I going to know that? You're not. Are you listening to me? This is very important to hear. You're not. But you see your brother in sin, and so what do you do? The charge is to what? Pray for them. But what you don't realize and what God knows is that this person has finally and fully rejected Jesus Christ. You say, that? how am I supposed to know that? You won't. What's the responsibility that he gives here in 1 John? Pray for that brother. Okay, You're not going to know whether they are or they're not. And that's what John is talking about here. this is one who is a professing believer, who's committing a sin, and you view them as a brother, and you're praying for that person as a brother, but they're not really a brother, and you don't know that. That's tough stuff. That's the first view. Um, There are some that hold this view, that say that at the end of the day, John's talking about spiritual death in their life. That the sin here is spiritual death. That they have finally and fully rejected Jesus Christ. And so they the end result of that is spiritual death. Craig Blomberg, who is the New Testament professor at Denver Seminary, wrote these words. The language of verse 16 does not describe a genuine believer. That's his viewpoint. Okay, so... And there are others that have that. It's not just Craig. There are others within Christianity that have the same viewpoint as Craig, that ultimately this sin to death is a spiritual death, a complete separation from the Lord, okay? You get that? That's viewpoint number one. I do not hold to that view. I don't believe that's what John is talking about here in this passage, um, but there's some good guys that, that do hold that view. The second viewpoint that we have in this text is that John is talking about a genuine believer who commits a sin. What is not known, and this is very important to hear. So you see a brother who's committing a sin. And what does the Bible tell us to do here for that brother? What does it say do? Pray. Okay, everybody. Got, if you don't have the other parts of that, you got that part, right? We're supposed to pray for that believer that they would repent of their sin. What we don't know is whether or not that sin that they have committed is a sin to death or not. How does that hit you? That doesn't feel very good, does it? You're like, what in the world? Well... It says here in the text, right, that there is a sin to death, but there is a sin not to death. And so your immediate question with all the myriads of people who ask the same question, what's the sin? That's what you want to know, isn't it? You don't want to leave this building until you know what that sin is. I got bad news for you. You're going to leave this building not knowing what that sin is because I don't know what that sin is and you don't know what that sin is especially when we're talking about a brother or sister's life. You see a brother or a sister in sin. You pray that the Lord will restore that person. What you do not know and I do not know is whether that sin that they've committed is a sin to death or not. But what we do know is the end result. We do know that. We may not know the specific sin, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute, but we do know the results Because the Bible tells us. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not to death. How are you going to know that you're not? You have to be good with not knowing. One of the things that um, drives people nuts in this century is not knowing. What do you mean we don't know? Hey, look, you know, beam John down. What in the world is he talking about? What sin is he talking about? Well, I believe it's pretty clear he's not talking about any one specific sin. Because for every single person, and this is what you need to hear every single person, that could be different. A sin to death. What do you do with a person who is a believer who has the sin of unforgiveness? Have you ever been in a position where you've witnessed a believer, as you know them to be, at least your perspective? Um, and they will not repent of whatever the sin is that's in their life. And it's become public. And the next thing you know, they're dead. But ever you ever witnessed that? Well, I believe it happens. And I believe in the Bible, we're going to be able to see that it happens. But what if this person, right, as you're praying for them, commits a sin not to death? What's going to happen? Notice what he says. He shall ask, and God will for him give life to those who commit sin, not to death. What do you mean give life? I thought this was a brother. He's not talking about eternal life. They already got that. He's already told them they got that. What in the world is he talking about? He's talking about a life that's full and active and service for the Lord. You say, is there an example in the Bible of one who committed a sin, and then the Lord restored them. You remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, the man who had his father's wife, most believe that was his stepmom, but nonetheless, he had his father's wife. You remember the outcome of that? Do you know the outcome? Do you even know the outcome of that? There was a man in Corinth, right, who had his father's wife, And the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 that this man was restored. That's what it says. There are examples, even as we see it, where we've seen a brother committing a sin and we're praying for that brother and that brother or that sister has been restored. Do you ever witness that? I've witnessed that. I've been part of a restoration service I have seen that in my life as a Christian. So we don't have to guess as to what's going to happen with those who've not committed a sin to death. It's the ones that commit a sin to death that we're all going, man, what in the world is he talking about? And what we can be rest assured of is that he's not talking about one specific sin. In fact, I would say to you, and I will say this as a loving warning to you, as your brother in Christ, listen to me, who is not better than you, who needs the same warning as you. I want you to hear that. Did you hear that? Not better than you, but needs the same warning of you as you do. God takes sin seriously in his church. Now, if you spoke this message to some congregations, <laughs> there would be a mass exodus. People, I'm not listening to that. But you know what, if we think about it, it's God's protection for us. I love it. Because we know from his revealed will what he wants us to do and what he does not want us to do. And I want, you, I want to tell you right up front in my life, there have been times, not every time is it connected to sin. But there have been times in my life when I've been sick and I know it's connected to sin. I know it is. You ever had that experience? Maybe not. Maybe I'm the only one. I'm just freely admitting that. It's happened in my life. I believe it without a shadow of a doubt. And now having studied this passage and really put myself into it, I'm like, huh. The Lord is so gracious at verse 17 to remind all the believers, hey, before you get high and mighty in your own life and you think, oh, I'm just praying for these other people because they got problems, what does he say? All unrighteousness is sin. So don't look over at the one committing adultery and go, man... They just need to get their act together. God, you know, hey, all of us have things. Am I the only one with things? I got things. Like, I got a boat full of things. It happens in my life. Sin grabs me at times. And you know when it does? When I'm not in fellowship with the Lord. Well, so we know what happens to the one who commits a sin not to death. One who commits a sin to death, you know what? We know what happens to them too. You know what happens to them? The Lord takes them. Well, he doesn't have any right. Some people, actually, I know, I've read and heard and all that. Well, he doesn't have any right to take them. They're too young. Have you studied grace? What do I deserve? I deserve the wrath of God but we sang about it today. Man, that song fits so well. It's the grace of God. And I think what John is doing here and making great pains to do is say, hey, believer, yes, you are in relationship with the Lord and your future is secure. Your life now, hey, you have an avenue to God And that's clear, and you need to pray for His revealed will, but you need to also know this. Sin is a serious issue in the mind of God. And there are, or there is, excuse me, a sin to death, which I believe could be different for every believer. I want to give you an example of this, and there's two of them, actually. I need you to go back in your Bible to the book of Acts. The book of Acts. You love the book of Acts? (laughs) You know, one of the things I talked with the Lord about this week is, you know what, I'm going to have their attention this week. I mean, who's not thinking, man, I want to know what that... I actually have people, hey, what is that sin? I don't know what that sin is. But I believe this, as I mature in the Lord, I know the sins that easily get me. I know the sins I struggle with. Do you, as you mature in the Lord, do you know the sins that you struggle with? I do. Are you very aware of them when you sin? I mean, they're right in front of you. It's like I illustrated to a guy not too long ago, hey, when I was young and I got saved, the Spirit of God convicted me of my sin. And I knew I was a sinner. That's what I knew when I was a boy. Well, then as I got older, I'm like, hey, this sin stuff's still hanging around. And, and I sinned, and I continued to sin, like, then the Holy Spirit began to convict me of things. You remember that, right? After you got saved, you're like, hey, he's convicted me that this is a sin, and that's a sin, and this is a sin, and that's a sin. I was like, whoa. And he cares more about me being right with him, right? And so this is something I need to consider, and then I remember, I remember, I remember the day. I was sitting in a youth group setting, and, and one of the guys was speaking. I don't remember his exact words, but it was like, hey, the Lord cares about your life every day and how you live. My mouth was wide open, right? And I'm like, oh. Not like, oh, but, oh. And so all these different things that that was doing, that was sin, I came face to face with. They're against God. I had no more excuse in those areas. I knew it was sin. But you know what happened to that? He would sin from time to time, still in those areas. And then as I got older in the Lord, it came to the point where I'm like, I was thinking about this this week. When I was probably in my 20s and 30s where I'm like, not only do I know that sin, but I know I don't need to be doing that. Maybe I'm an odd duck. I'm just sharing my life with you. That's why I didn't call any of you this week to say, Hey, well, let me illustrate your life. <laughs> um, so, 20s and 30s. That, and you know, guys, I, I grew up in a Christian home and I heard lots of sermons. Lots and lots of sermons. But I really didn't hear them. I mean, I knew that Pastor Lane was opening the Bible. I knew Don was doing that. When I went to Southeastern... You know, I knew George was, and Dr. Hugh, and Dr. Talley, and all those guys. But there were times along the way that one message would just hit me square in the face. that ever happened to you? It's like, oh, my goodness, I hadn't considered this. Lord, I want to marry who I want to marry. If that, maybe I ought to be a believer. Maybe this idea of being unequally yoked is not just, oh, she's a believer, but she's a growing believer. And so all these things I'm going on in my mind in my 20s and 30s, and by then I'm in the mid-20s, I'm in ministry full-time. I'm teaching students. I look back and think, I had really no right to be teaching those kids. And I'm teaching these kids, and, I'm, and they're dealing with stuff. But what I never did tell them was like, hey, I'm dealing with some of the same stuff you're dealing with. Because I'm still growing in my Christian life. And even though I know those things now are wrong, man, when I commit them now, it's like, oh. Just this, I don't even know how to describe it. Just this, you know, it was a lot of sin with a lot of frustration. You ever been through that phase? Where you know it's wrong, you know it's sin, and you're like, Lord, I need your help. And and, and you're going along, and there's fellowship, and all of a sudden, whatever that temptation is that's right in front of you, and instead of saying, hey, Lord, help me with the way of escape because He's promised that, I'm right into that sin. And then what do you do? You fold your arms and you go, I can't believe I did that again. You ever done Am I the only one that's ever reacted that way? It would make me feel better if you could kind of nod your head. And so when I'm in my 20s and 30s, I'm, I'm getting a little more pain. And then I started seeing other people in their lives. I'm like, I don't need to be concerned about their life. I need, yes, I am, but, man, I need to think about my life, log spec kind of thing. Well, then I'm in my 40s and in my 50s, which I'm still in my 50s. That's the good news. 60s right around the corner. It really is for my wife. <laughs> She'll be 60 before I'm 59. Um, we won't go into that. She's not here today. She's out of town. But, but the last 10, I would say, years or so, not only have I been very aware of my sin, but I'm very aware of the fact, not just teaching it. But that when I sin, it grieves the Spirit of God. But I'm also aware of the fact that when I'm, as I've matured in the Lord, that I've, and I don't know how to describe it any other way, maybe there's been times in my life when I've known that there's, that this is a sin, and I look at the Lord, it's as if He's right here, and I say, I'm doing it anyway. Any of you want to raise your hands for that one? I mean, I, I I got both mine up. So when I started studying this Ascend to Death, I'm like, man. I told Amanda Monday and I think Debbie Tuesday, I was just struggling, man. This is hard stuff. Who wouldn't want the view to be the first view? Right? It's a whole lot easier than the second one. Tough. Because we're talking about somebody who's spiritually dead. But this one forces us. This view forces us to think about our own lives. And that's why I say I don't think there's any one sin. But I think as you mature as a believer, this is just an opinion. You know what those potential sins are. Because you've committed them over and over again. And maybe even been sick with some. I told you to leave when I prayed. (laughs) Acts chapter 4. I want to give you a couple of illustrations and we'll be done. Acts 4. It's always better when you can illustrate other people, right? (laughs) You feel better about it? It's already happened, past tense, oh well. Um, Well, we have the beginning of the church. Church is growing like crazy. And with that comes Problems. Did you know that? On chapter 4, verse 32, it says, The congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own. But all things were common property to them. And the great power of the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. I love that that's the central message still. That's beautiful. I just saw that this time when I was reading over it. An abundant grace was upon them all. For there was not a needy person among them. For all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales, and lay them at the apostles' feet. And they would be distributed to each as any had need. Now Joseph, a Levite, a Cyprian birth, who was also called Barnabas by the Apostles, which translated means son of encouragement, and who owned a tract of land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the Apostles' feet. And so everybody's going, Hey, that's good, Barnabas it's good, it's what you're doing it's what what we see here that's going on with the church and then you have that word but right, so you go Barnabas but a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property and what was going on with these others they'd sell their property and come do what lay it at the apostles feet that's the steps I see in chapter 432 and following until you get here And then it says, they sold the piece of property and kept back of the price for himself. Some of the price for himself. With his wife's full knowledge. In other words, they're both in on it. Hmm. And bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. That's not what the other verses said about what everyone else was doing. But that's what Ananias and Sapphira did. The Bible says, but Peter said, excuse me, and kept back some of the price for himself with his wife's full knowledge, and bringing it a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? To keep back some of the price of the land. In other words, the spirit, the Holy Spirit, excuse me, Satan was influencing... Ananias and Sapphira. And the influence caused them to lie to the Holy Spirit. Verse 4, while it remained unsold, it, was not, it did not remain your own. He's asking a question. And after it was sold, what is it not under your control? Why is it that you've conceived this deed in your heart? You've not lied to men, but to God. As he heard these words, Ananias fell down and breathed his last, and great fear came over all who heard of it. (laughs) What other response would there be? Are you getting the picture here in the church? Right? There's some who are obeying, and there's two who are not. You say, well, what's really on the line? That's their business. No, it's not. It's the glory of God, right, and the health of the body. That's what it's about. It's a healthy picture of the body. Listen, we need a healthy picture of the body today, don't we? Same as in that day. All the glory we want to go to the Lord. Well, that's not going on here. It says great fear came over all who heard of it, and the young men got up and covered him up, and after carried him out, they buried him. Uh, By the way, that means he was dead physically. So you know. Now there elapsed an interval of about three hours, and his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter responded to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for such and such a price. And she said, Yes, that was the price. And then Peter said to her, Why is it that you have agreed together to put the Spirit of the Lord to the test? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out as well. That's one way to find out your husband's dead. And not only is your husband dead, but they're carrying you out too. Immediately, she fell at his feet and breathed her last. The young men came in and found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. I love verse 11. Verse 11 is the right response, guys. There should be a fear in our lives of sin. I know it's not a popular message in 2023, but I really don't care if it's popular or not popular. Our job is to talk about sin. Our job is to talk about the fact that Jesus Christ paid it off. That he died for our sins. That he was buried, that he rose again. And that as believers in Christ, we still have the responsibility quite evident from 1 John to consider sin in our own lives and in the sin of our brother's lives. Well, so... What happened to them? They were taken home. That's what happened. Well, is there any other passage of Scripture that speaks about the church and about the impact of sin? Yes, there is. And we'll close with this one. Take your Bibles and go to First Corinthians 11. You've seen it before, but I'm going to give it to you again. It's just like steak. You can't eat steak enough. It's good every time. Although, you know, today I was driving to church and I saw a buzzard on the road And that buzzard was eating something that was dead, some dead carcass there. And and I'm like, you know what? I don't know why this is, I'm a weird guy. But why this entered my mind? But I'm like, that vulture's thinking this is like a steak. (laughs) Well, you can't eat steak enough, right? Maybe you're going to have a little, you know, desire to eat one today. Well, you can always go to the store and buy you one and grill it out. Well, in 1 Corinthians 11, we have a church that's got its act together, right? Boy, they are—they are the model for all of us. I think they're a lot. We're a lot like them. I just believe that with all my heart. I'm not being ugly. I'm just being honest. They struggled with things in life, and I think we struggle with things in life. It's nice to have people we can identify with. But these guys had a real issue when it came to sharing together and some of them were getting drunk at what was called the agape feast in fact um, back up in uh, verse 19 excuse me 20 of chapter 11 Paul says therefore when you meet together because there were factions in the church it is not to eat the Lord's supper because the Lord's supper is about sharing and about love that's not what's going on here For in your eating, each one takes his own supper first. And one is hungry and another is drunk. That's not good, is it? It's just not a good thing. He says, what? Do you not have houses in which to eat and drink? Do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? Notice that, do you despise the church of God? Who's he talking to? (coughs) Believers. Believers. Guys, I can't say this enough. God cares how we live and how we represent Him and His church. Do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? And this I will not praise you. For I receive from the Lord that which I also deliver to you. So He's reminding them that the Lord Jesus in the night in which He was betrayed took bread. and we had given thanks, He broke it and said, This is my body which is for you to this remembrance of me. In the same way He took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Right? Therefore, because of that, because of verse 26, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. So, how can I stay away from that? Because I want to stay away from that. Verse 28. A man must examine himself, not the person next to him. And in doing so, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So when we come together to fellowship around the Lord's table, it's imperative that we examine. That that word examine has to do with testing metals in terms of their genuineness. A man must examine himself, and in doing so, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Look at this. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself. Underscore that. Maybe you've never underscored verse 29. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. Have you ever, my friend, been guilty of not judging the body rightly? Well, you're human, so I assume that answer is yes. You know, I've talked with people who have been in my office over 33 years who have said, that you know, I didn't take the Lord's Supper today because um, there was a sin in my life. But I've also had them say, I took it because I felt pressure because the person next to me was taking it. And if I don't take it, then somebody's going to say, something's wrong in their life. You know what? Maybe we ought to think if a person's not taking the Lord's Supper, that they're truly... Examining their life and their issue is not honoring men but God. And instead of going, Oh, they didn't take it today, I saw that. We pray for that person, right? I hadn't thought of that till just now, and I didn't think of it. Notice what it says for this reason, what reason? The reason that. You aren't judging the body correctly, Paul says. A few among you. That's not what he says. I don't know how many were in Corinth. But he says, many among you are weak. You know what that has to do with? That word in the Greek means without physical strength. There are some among you that don't have physical strength. There are some among you that are sick. That word sick means feeble. One requiring help. And then he says, in a number sleep. Like, oh good. They're getting a nap. That's not what he's talking about. A number are dead. And when I read that, I'm like, I don't know what that number was. But I know it's a pretty interesting illustration, isn't it? Of how seriously God takes sin. So the next time that you and I think. Well I'm glad I'm saved. How much does my life really matter. And how I live it matters. You say. It matters at least to the Lord. How I live. Guys at the end of the day. I don't know if it's view one or two, <laughs> but I live, I'm living like it's view two, and at least there's nothing wrong with thinking about it, even if you disagree. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you were honored this morning in our service, that as we um, open your word, as we, as we consider the things that you given to us that um our mindset is that we would um have a, a mind to obedience and to honoring you. You know, as we're sitting here as students of your word, I mean there's two different viewpoints here and you know, some may see view one, some may see view two. At the end of the day we see a brother that we think's a brother that's sinning. Our responsibility is to pray. Pray we wouldn't um, bypass the opportunity to do that, but that first of all, that we would consider our own lives, and and what's going on there. Thank you for your Spirit who leads us and guides us. Pray all this in the name of Christ. Amen.
1: Guys, I never know how the Lord is gonna pull a service together, but it never ceases to amaze me. I didn't. I never talked to Thad about what we're going to be singing or thing like that. I kind of like seeing how the Lord (laughs) brings it together. It's confirmation for me. Uh, But this last song we're going to sing, I heard it um, a while back. uh, And honestly, I didn't pay much attention to it. I thought it was okay. But then I was having a bad day, like our beloved pastor was telling us about. Uh, One of them days where the flesh has just got a hold of you and that old self-centeredness, and I mean every decision I was making was the wrong one. And, uh, you know, when you have days like that, uh, especially if you string a few of them together, we can get in valleys as believers where we're not walking at all in fellowship. When you have that situation or just a bad day, uh, you can get to a point where, man, you just want to throw the towel in. You're like, Lord, I'm so grateful that I'm going to heaven, but this sanctification thing, I think you blew it with me. It just ain't working. I'm just not a good I'm a bad Christian, and I think I'm always going to be a bad Christian. But then, uh, it was, that was the kind of day I was having, so I turned the radio on. Uh, maybe something good'll happen on the radio. need something good. And I heard this song again, and it's like the Lord opened my ears, and the words just hit me like a ton of bricks, and I thought, man, this song could be the anthem of my life. And it's a very simple message. It's grace upon grace, upon grace morning after morning, day after day. Every time we come to God, we find grace more precious than we found it before because we serve a God who never gives up on us. And man, I needed to hear it that day, and it just, ooh, man, it just made me feel so good. And because of that, praise upon praise upon praise, morning after morning, over and over again. That's going to be our response. So if you are like me or Thad, a guy who's prone to having some bad days, uh, I hope uh, the words of this song will cheer you up and you will listen to as we sing on repeat.
2: Every time I come running I find grace on repeat. You welcome me with open arms no matter where I have been. Every time I surrender, every time I fall, I find grace more precious than I did before. I'm gonna spare my your feet, look to the heavens for all I need, I'm gonna sing my heart, praise on repeat to the God who's never given up on me, you're the mercy me, you're the kindness of dawn, waking up, the strength of it all, every time it comes to sundown and the night sets in, yeah. let my soul remember just how good you been, and again and again. over and over
0: Amen. Thank you, guys. Appreciate all your hard work, and uh, what a great song to, to end our service with uh, this morning. Wanted to um, take an opportunity to just mention one thing to you um, as we were singing "Grace Upon Grace." You know, um, if there's sin in our lives, uh, and and we know that, and the Lord knows that, we need to remember First John one nine as we think about fellowship. If we confess our sins. He's faithful, and he's just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He, guys, listen, he wants fellowship with us. That's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing grace. This morning, we want to pray for our uh, next team. I think the team from Texas is coming back today, if that's correct. And uh, So, um, hey, guys, if you are watching. And, um, but we want to pray for the uh, next team going out. They leave on Saturday. And that is the team to Belize. So if those folks who are headed to Belize could come up here, we'd like to pray for you guys before you take off. Are there any folks here going to Belize? Most of them are missing. Do what? Of them are missing. Most of, Are they going to be found? Oh, that's right. Some kids are leaving for Ponderosa today. In fact, I think they're already leaving, right? Okay, so I'm going to (laughs) have, I put on deodorant today. I'm going to have one of our elders, Bruce Scrubs, he's going to come pray for you guys as as we send you off to Belize, such a nice and cool climate. All right, they're going to really enjoy their time there. So Bruce, you pray for us. After Bruce prays, you're dismissed, okay?
3: Hmm. Let's pray, family. Father, you are just so good to remind us of your grace today, uh, both through the word spoken and sung, and we're grateful for your spirit who indwells us and guides us. And Father, you've uh, led some brothers and sisters to be going to Belize this coming weekend to minister. You know them. Some of them are not here today, and you know why. But I'm grateful that you know them, and you know ahead of time how you're going to use them. So I want to pray for them, that they, one, would be sensitive to your spirit and his promptings as they are there, whether they're constructing or sharing, whatever or however you're using them let them be sensitive to that and also Father that you would protect them and guard them while they're there and Father I want to thank you ahead of time for what you're going to be doing and how you're going to be using them while they're in Belize be with our team as they come uh, that we're in Texas as they come home give them mercy again Father just thank you for this morning this time that we've had in study this time that we've been able to worship you and uh again i want to just thank you for our pastor and his uh what he shared with us today thank you again in jesus name amen
0: make sure you speak to the college graduates right especially the oldest one